Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that won't shy away from any issues in the property world, no matter how challenging. And they don't come much more challenging than the perennial question of how to bridge the gap between the number of homes being built and the number we actually need. The government has the ambition to deliver 300,000 homes a year in England by the mid-2020s, but we're actually only building around 220,000 homes a year, so there's a big gap there. And we'll be asking whether that's a light we can see at the end of the tunnel, or just a train coming the other way. We're seeing changes in the amount that's coming forward in terms of permissions. The challenge is how we can get through the, the actual delivery on those sites. I'm Guy Ruddle, and stiffening their sinews to tackle this thorniest of issues are David Jackson. He's Savile's head of planning. He's been at Savile's for 20 years, but doesn't like to admit it. Hello, David. Good afternoon. Charlie Collins. He's a specialist in strategic development and planning promotion. He also leads the Savile's Planning Thought Leadership Group. Yes, that is a thing. Hello, Charlie. It is indeed. Good afternoon. And Emily Williams is a Savile's Research Analyst in the Planning and Land Database area. She's also, as far as I know, the only one of us here who's seen all this from the political side as a former parliamentary assistant to a shadow housing minister. Hello, Emily. Hello, good afternoon. So let's get into this. It's it's a complicated area. David, first of all, there is this gap, isn't there, between what we you know what we need to build and what we're actually building yes in, in fact there are, it's worse than that there are two gaps there's the gap between what we need and what we're getting planning permission for and then there's a further gap between what we're getting planning permission for and what we actually need so there, there are two parts to the housing crisis if you like and how how big a crisis do, is it i mean you, you read lots of stuff in the press but you know the press can build things up is it really as big a crisis as 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 you kindly mentioned at the outset i've been doing this for over 20 years and for 20 years we'd go to local plan examinations telling inspectors and telling local authorities that they weren't providing enough houses but that we never ever quite cracked the case and and, and now we're after 20 years we're trying to play catch up on those shortages that we've had earlier on in the system and charlie i'm guessing that this is not a simple problem to fix um well not at all we need more plans more quickly produce those local plans um, in in those areas where the need is greatest and sometimes those areas happen to have other constraints such as green belt which is a planning constraint uh, and areas of outstanding natural beauty uh, for example in london and the southeast and emily at the risk of oversimplifying it because some you know from a bear of little brain like me to understand it we're going to have to simplify it a bit is it is it too simplistic to say that there are just basically two issues granting enough planning permission and then turning that planning permission to actually built homes i think that's actually what it does boil down to so the government has the ambition that to deliver 300,000 homes a year in england um, by the mid 2020s and that's to meet housing needs and also to improve housing affordability we're actually doing quite well on granting enough planning permissions across the country and um, so av- annual planning permissions are running at around 380,000 a year so that's more than what the housing need is um, but we're actually only building to around 220,000 homes a year so there's a big gap there and the question that a lot of people have been grappling with is how do we turn those consents into homes. So let's talk a little bit then about the the NPPF the National Planning Policy Framework. It's been around, David, for the best part of, what, nearly five years? Yes, since 2012. And? Um, I think it's generally been a good thing. I think you can see in the uplift in the number of consents, the improvement in local plans being adopted. Both of those are indicators that we're moving in the right direction, although 
at, at a glacially slow pace. Things are now beginning to improve, as Emily pointed out, but there's still more work to be done. And we've talked so far about it in the round, you know, the total number of consents. But is it delivering the the right consents in the right places? Not entirely, no. Um, it's, it's got, the situation's improved, um, but we're finding that a lot of permissions are granted uh, in areas of uh, medium value. And what we've seen sort of in the last year is that the number of consents coming through in the most affordable areas, um, so where there's less demand for housing, has actually dropped. And that's, we think, probably because actually those areas have really delivered large numbers of consents in the last four or five years. So there, there's an adequate pipeline of consented land for house builders to build out. The problem is really in areas like London and the southeast, which um, where, although the numbers of consents coming through there is picking up, it's still a long way off need and there's just not not enough land um, either being allocated or getting consent to meet the demand for housing. Okay, so on the planning side, it looks like at at the risk of oversimplification, which, as I say, is my forte, uh, we're sort of okay that tweaks here and there, but by and large, we're basically coming up with enough planning permission to build enough homes. But what we're not doing is building those homes why is that? Uh, well, we're seeing changes in the amount that is coming forward uh, in terms of permissions. So we've got greater numbers on larger strategic sites. So those over 500 units, for example, 500 dwellings. Um, the challenge is to be the challenge that we're facing is how we can get through the, the actual delivery on those sites um, because they have their complexities. They they require more kit for want to have a word primary schools sometimes secondary schools community centers that type of thing what we need is a good balance of different sizes of sites we need big strategic sites but we also need the smaller ones as well you know those 5 10 15 20 dwelling sites right Um, and one of the changes that the new mppf the mppf revision brought about was a requirement for local authorities to plan for those smaller sites as well so that the market can respond and deliver a, a real real mixed bag because we're not the only ones thinking about this, are we? You know, the, the Letwin report, which was, what, last October, November time. Mm. So not that long ago. It's quite fresh. It's, as far as I understand it, the main thing it said was stop building huge, you know, huge sites with thousands of homes which are all the same and for the same purpose because you can't get them onto the market quick enough. Yeah. Do we think that's right? It, it was was Oliver Letwin a wise owl when he said that? So, so uh, Emily and I had the pleasure of uh, meeting with Sir Oliver when he was putting his report together and some of the research that we've been doing was stuff we put before him. So it's quite interesting to see the outputs from that. So he's basically said what, what you said to him, he said to everybody else. Well, I'd be fairer to him, I'm sure he had some very good ideas of his own. They didn't all come from Savills. Um, but certainly there was some uh, of our inputs fed through into the report, and it's quite exciting to, to, to see that. But certainly the diversity of product is, is, is a key factor. The other thing that he said is, and it's talked about much, is this issue of land banking. Our developers sitting on land uh, waiting for it to uh, gain in value, and, and it was a key part of our evidence, and the report confirmed it. That ain't happening. Really? That's not the key factor uh, in why consents aren't being turned into houses. Then you come to this issue that we were talking about, which is are those consents in the right place um, such that now we're having more larger sites coming through the planning system? Clearly, if you're in a low demand area, 
they take a while to chunk through. But why would anyone want to get planning permission in a low-demand area? This is a commercial market. If I'm a property developer, I, I, I want to build where there's demand. Well, in some, sometimes in areas of lower value, there are greater opportunities to build because you can have a greater sales rate because the, the, the values themselves are lower and arguably more affordable. But also certain local authorities may more proactively plan those areas for regeneration reasons, for example. But also remember, it's not just houses for sale that matter. There's registered providers uh, who are providing affordable homes as well. There's um, private rented sector, PRS, different types and tenures. And I think one of the things that Letwin was was found through his review is we need a good big mix and balance of housing. Because you told him. Yeah, well, <laughs> which is good, yes. <laughs> one of the other areas that we, um, we've looked at sort of in detail over the last couple of years, and we did contribute to that Letwin review, was... In those higher demand areas where we know there's lots of need for housing, the pricing of the new build um, stock is so important if you're going to get high delivery rates. And the tension that there is there is that in those areas, land tends to be very expensive because it's a limited supply. Um, but if you're going to get high delivery rates and high sales rates of the open market stock, um, you actually need to be pricing at least people talk a lot about the new bill premium but on those sites you need to be able to price either in line with the secondhand market or at a discount um, to it um, and that brings in all sorts of complications around the trade-offs that you can then make in terms of um, your viability of the site and the uh, expectation of what the developer can contribute either in sort of community facilities or in providing affordable housing. On the question of these big sites, of sort of a thousand homes plus, and the need for them to be more diverse, just to, can can one of you explain what that means and why it's so important? Why it it might actually change the change the situation? Um, so. The main point is that it's just if you diversify the product that's coming forwards on a site, you are able to access more points in the market. So if you can diversify um, the types of homes, more people are able to afford them. If you can deliver different tenures as well, again, you open up your market and that's what enables more quick delivery. Yeah. Larger sites can also enable infrastructure, not just for the site, but for the wider area as well. Um, So a good local plan will have a suite of large sites that provide new schools for the existing population as well as the new population, new road junctions. Because infrastructure we're increasingly finding, particularly in the southern half of England, is is constraining development to a degree in respect of how quickly sites can come forward. So... We've established that the sort of roughly we're getting the right planning permission through, that we're not building enough houses. But Savills have told Oliver, so, so Oliver Letwin, give him his property, uh, what the problem is. And he's told the rest of the world that, and everybody seems to agree with it. It's been out there for about, well, I know, the best part of six months now. And so, you know, it's beginning to happen. So my question to you is two questions, David. One, is it beginning to happen? And two, if it isn't, is it, going, is it going to happen, do you think? Are we going to solve this problem? We are definitely going to solve this problem. There's a, there's a level of commitment. It, it, it's, not, it's not rocket science to solve this problem, but it, it does take time. And one of the reasons why it takes time is it takes time to transfer these ideas into local policy. What we're already beginning to see is local policies 
requesting that housing developments come forward in a in a mixed and diverse form. So some local plan policies will specify 5% of the housing for, for meeting certain community needs. So we, we're beginning to see that it needs to become more complicated and it needs to better reflect local market conditions in the way Emily's described. So I think we're on we're on our way there. But the, the key thing, one of the key things that I, I think is important here is we as you referred to earlier, we're in danger of turning this into a numbers game and a numbers game only. But at the end of the day, this is not about just building houses, it's about building communities. So all of the other things that we've talked about and Charlie's referenced, putting, providing schools, providing open spaces, providing jobs, providing the right infrastructure, that all comes as part of the game overall. And so getting the right mix and sites that can deliver these complex communities that's what we've got to do. It's not just about delivering houses. Before we did this, somebody uh, I was telling somebody that I was doing a podcast on planning and housing delivery, mm. and they said, good luck in a rather... <laughs> they were wrong. See, I knew it would be interesting. It's fascinating stuff. Now, time for the Savile Standout Statistic. Have you been warned about the Savile Standout Statistic? Earlier, very yeah. briefly. Okay. Yes. So the idea is that what, we, what you have to do is you have to come up with a single statistic uh, that you think is surprising, that people perhaps don't know or that will raise people's eyebrows or make them go, ooh, or something like that. I don't know whether we want people to go, ooh, or not. But anyway, let's give it a go. Who wants to go first? Why don't we start with Charlie? Okay, so standout statistic number one. Um, 30, over, over the next 12 months... Um, 34 local authorities are going to have plans which become out of date. Uh, we need up-to-date plans across the country. We've hit 58%, um, which is not bad, given track record. But 34 authorities will, will go out of date in the next 12 months, and that's not good for no. positive planning. No. David? Yes, yeah, so um, just reflecting back on the government's target of 300,000 new homes, those can only really be delivered if local plans are in place and provide the land for them to come forward. And at the moment, of the 42% of, of local authorities that don't have a local plan in place, they represent about 130,000 potential homes that could be delivered. So we're, we're seeing a real problem there in terms of uh, local authorities not producing local plans, therefore not making land available to, 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 to deliver the 300,000 target. And Emily, you get the last word. Um, I'm going to finish on, actually on a positive note. Um, across, Thank heavens! <laughs> across England, there's an average of 6.4 years of housing land supply and um, that's and it's risen this year from since last year. It's actually the third year in a row that it has risen. So there is light at the end of the tunnel. We're moving in the right direction. There we are. You see, we asked the question earlier whether it was light at the end of the tunnel or a train coming the other way. Emily has informed us it's light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you all very much for being here. Thank you for your wisdom. I hope you've enjoyed that. Was it was that a, a, a fun enough experience for you? Uh, I could, I, I'd rather be doing nothing else on a, on, a, on an afternoon like I, this. I thought so. More fun than a local plan examination. Well, perhaps not. Well, <laughs> I, I, I feel a bit bad. <laughs> that's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If all that's done is whet your appetite for more, then you can find the Planning and Housing Delivery Report 
on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research, or you can find a link in the episode information of this podcast. And if you aren't already a subscriber to Real Estate Insights, then feel free to become one using your usual podcast provider. You can get backwards, of course. You don't have to listen to just future podcasts. You can listen to old podcasts, things around the subjects like why 2019 is the year of global disruption and why the prime non-London residential market is priming itself for future success. In the meantime, thanks for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.